welcome, friends, to another edition of Wampa Radio. This is episode number 25. The gang is all here, Doa. We missed you. We de- we definitely, I know I did, because I had to sure. babysit R5D4 over there, and oh boy, those motivators were not, they were blowing like the wind. Well, I missed me too, so I'm glad to be back with uh, with the two of you doing this podcast, talking about Star Wars Unlimited, uh, and really, really digging into the headlines, the strategies, and the discussion points you want to hear about in the world of uh, Star Wars card gaming. Mostly Star Wars Unlimited, but you know, we talk about other games once in a while too, it happens. Yeah, and I'm really excited because we finally got some gameplay, not that there's not gameplay available and not that we haven't had the chance to play the game ourselves at various points, but mm-hmm. we got some developer gameplay on the live stream today and it was kind of cool to see them just going back and forth. And that brings us to today's topic, which is deck construction because they took the starter decks and made some modifications. And so we thought, hey, we should talk about some of those things that players will be deciding for themselves when you start making your deck, art types, aspect combinations, what you include or what you don't include, et cetera, et cetera. But before we get into all of that, of course, we have the Wampa Cave Pull of the Week. So the Wampa Cave Pull this week, available every Sunday-ish. Um, <laughs> I try my Ish. best. Yeah, it is uh, available on Twitter at Wampa Radio. You can give your uh, let your voice be heard. This week's Cave Pull was very simple. This was your idea, Toa. Very, very. I may have paraphrased, paraphrased, but you change it a little bit. Yeah. Who well, do you, you roll with? A little bit. Who do you roll yeah. with? Very simple. Who do you roll with? You've got the Rebel Alliance, the Empire, the Shady Underworld. Now that can be the Outer Rim territories. That could be the the Black Sun. I disagree. Syndicate. Okay. I d- the Outer Rim is not the Underworld. The Outer Rim is just. <laughs> The you know it's just the less populated uh, areas of the galaxy because uh, the fourth thing that I put down for this which you changed you put don't want any trouble but I put uh, fringe slash um, slash outer rim because I see those as two different things things might be a little bit rougher on the outer rim but they're not the underworld that's very insulting to all the fine upstanding people of Tatooine. The underworld will often I think prey on the outer rim because there's less enforcement out there but i don't think that they are the same thing i'm with you doa because I'm sorry, i bro. i would point to you know <laughs> you're a, a moisture farmer on tatooine yeah. but that doesn't mean that you're the shady underworld now granted that and might fall under don't want any trouble or whatever so i'll give flake credit there but, well that's part of it it's like rim, though. i had to give some some of it just being like for the, for those out there who are just farming really a man of your talents like that's kind of (laughs) you know it's a peaceful life like some of them just don't want any trouble and i couldn't fit i really all i wanted to fit in there was these aren't the droids you're looking for but there wasn't enough there's only 25 characters you can fit in there so don't want Mm. any trouble was kind of kind of it i couldn't fit uh farming a man of your talents question mark i couldn't fit any iconic line so we put in don't want any trouble um and yeah i'm curious what you both selected and we'll go with uh, we'll start with you charmer what was your affiliation of choice so given this that this four and the way it was worded i went with don't want any trouble because exactly what you said it's the you know farming really a man of your talents uh yeah if i have a choice right 
I would prefer to just be the hermit in the the Star Wars universe. I dig old Ben, right? Just hanging out in a cave by himself. He's like, you know what? I did all the exciting stuff. I just, I want to retire, right? I appreciate what Mr. Urso tried to do. There's a bunch of folks that, you know, they they did the adventure thing and then they moved on and I, maybe I'm just hitting that point in my life, but I identify more with that. Now, that being said, you know, I would roll with the Rebel Alliance if called to, right? But if I have a choice, hmm. I don't want to do anything. Like I have a bad motivator <laughs> unit, man. You're asking a lot from me. So when Jin Erso... If I have a choice, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> when Jin Erso was put in that bunker and said, wait here, and then Saw Gerrera goes and picks her up, if that was you, you'd be like, no, I'm good. Just close the hatchback down. <laughs> like, we're good. See you later. Like... Don't need to. You're good. Not interested. I think, you know, it's actually funny you mentioned that. I think that's actually a good way to kind of encapsulate my my feelings, right? Because Saw was very much a, a true revolutionary, right? And he was going to go to the fight regardless of whether the fight was coming to him. And then with the Urso family, obviously, he steps away and he tries to live the peaceful life. And then obviously trouble finds him anyways like that's the problem with the star wars universe right you can say i don't want any trouble but trouble always finds you there's really no dodging it but hmm. if i'm being honest about myself like i'd love to say like oh yeah of course i'm gonna fight for what's right and i'm gonna do the the right thing but like i know myself the reality is like i will absolutely fight if it's at my doorstep but otherwise i'm a peaceful farmer man it's just who i am I don't think that Saw Gerrera was trying to live the peaceful life. If you're familiar with this character, no, no, I'm, like no, I'm saying Saw is not. Universe, no, sorry. Uh, if that's if that's the way it came out, uh, that is a misunderstanding. Well, yeah. Saw is taking the fight wherever it is. Yeah, that's you, what I'm saying. You described He's, it as he goes and finds the fight. He, like right. when Saw finds the extremist. fight. Yes. Saw Gerrera represents kind of like the extreme end of the rebellion, where it's like we're not really going to be super careful about, you know, things like you know well if civilian casualties happen you know well you know it's war whatever you know and like he's he's not quite as as noble i would say as as the other rebels he's a little bit too driven by anger and 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 fear and aggression i think so he's he's fighting against the empire but he's not exactly like a good good guy he's kind of an an anti-hero in my in my book at least so i i feel like yeah he's uh He's he's a, a, a rebel in like kind of the roughest of terms, you know. He is the closest I think Star Wars will ever get to the Punisher. That's fair. Like he represents mm. like what you said, Doa. He represents the rougher. I think he represents the more necessary, the 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 dirtier tactics, the like you know anything to to win the day kind of aspect mm. of it. And you mentioned anger, fear, and aggression. You you and you literally said the three that Yoda warned us about. It was intentional. Eh, yeah. you, you, you got Believe us. Believe it or not. So <laughs> we've got a peaceful farmer here, you know. Mm. Uh, what have you selected? I mean, I, I got to go with Rebel Alliance, man. Like, I'm, I'm still out there p telling people that, like, esports works and all that, despite the fact that the Empire, <laughs> the, the big game developers... The the business suits that are like ooh the esports buzzword uh, let's uh, let's make tournaments and things and let's uh, let's never ever uh, actually like bother to learn about our communities and all that kind of stuff. I feel like I've been in the Rebel Alliance for over a decade now, 
trying to like make esports work the right way against uh, the the corporate overlords. So I feel like I gotta pick that, you know. And and you know, will we ever win? Who knows? That's that's kind of what the Rebel Alliance is all about. Like you fight and you don't know if you're gonna win, but you're gonna give it your best shot. So I, I gotta go with that, you know. Hey, that's a pretty good analogy, and I think that that kind of fits to a degree. I also selected the Rebel Alliance, uh, mainly because I value my life, and it'd be nice to have a ship with a shield on it. Like, that's basically it, because you know they're not jamming me in, like, a TIE Defender or something that matters. They're going to throw me into, like, a cloud car and be like, hey, good luck. So at least if I go through pilot training with the Rebel Alliance, plus, you know, you're fighting against tyranny and such like that, allegedly the empire did nothing wrong and all there's all whatever but it would be nice to be thrown into a ship that can you know withstand re-entry like that's the kind of thing like if uh, i don't want like a random screwdriver that's stuck in orbit to go through my windshield like it would not be nice to have a shield i feel like if you want the the you know clean shiny uh, new stuff then you go empire right i mean rebel stuff is kind of you kind of been fixing it, trying to keep it together. You're trying to adapt the snow speeders to work in cold, cold, cold you know, like cold climates. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I feel like you're taking a, a risk with Herb Alliance and their and their cars and things. With the I, like, you got the shiny new thing, but it I is feel like if if though. if you're blinging it though, like Shady Underworld's got to be it, right? True, that's true. You could be like uh, the what is it, the uh, Black Sun or something mm-hmm. like that. that the Black Sun I Syndicate. Golden Sun, but that's like an old video game. But I, so I think it's like yeah. <laughs> Black Sun is that, and they were mostly chilling on like uh, more populated worlds. You know, there's a lot of underworld stuff going on on Coruscant, so it's true. Yeah, maybe, maybe bling that way. Yeah. Well, or like maybe you're just a really successful farmer. Who knows? But then you get like that's when you get to ride on like Jabba's luxury sail barge and stuff like that. That's when you get to go to Canto Bite and throw dice for like a weekend and and roll up in something better than. Don't mention uh, Canto uh, Bite. Hey, it's a real place, okay? It's a real freaking place. Like, the thing about Canto Bite, if we're going to get into that, again, Uh FFG, you have not provided us with any emergency packs. This is on you. Um, But the thing about Canto Bite is, like, there's going to be casinos. Like, the whole concept of it, I just feel like it it was, like, shoehorned into the story to just give rian johnson an opportunity to be like hey i created this planet like this is a planet that i created that is now part of it and look how unique it is space vegas wow yeah what what type of creative genius comes up with something like that like space vegas spagus wow <laughs> las spagus um yeah i mean again i'm not i'm not saying it's bad but i'm not saying it's all that groundbreaking either i selected the rebel alliance like i said because i just I want to fight for for what's right and my right to party as well. You got to fight for that right. You do. Let's get to the results here. And with 42.3%, the Rebel Alliance has taken the day. Uh, In second place, the Empire at 26.8%. The Shady Underworld, 18.3%. And all you pacifists, all you just, all I want to do is you know watch my pod races yeah i got a feeling i'm not the only one (laughs) 90s that was a 90s song uh two of you got that out there no i got that one yeah okay Um, one of them there you go the other one that's all two (laughs) 12.7 percent. i wasn't gonna say it but i was like yeah the two people who got that were listening right now yeah we're right here that's it exactly uh i think that song actually plays at the beginning of the canto bite scene in uh, the last jedi (laughs) so that's right yeah 
That's right. And then it goes to live in La Vida Loca. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But well, the Jats version of <laughs> live in La Vida Loca. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go. That is your Wampa Cave Poll of the Week every Sunday on Twitter at Wampa Radio. You can go ahead and cast your vote. If you have a suggestion for a poll, we take those two. Let us know. We would love to put one up there. We had one last week, a suggested poll. Okay. Headlines this week, I think, were relatively sparse again. Um, you know, we're, we're still four months away from launch. We're getting closer. Like, this is... Yeah. feeling like we're, we're approaching here and uh they yeah. released a they did a stream today actually today being the 29th of november we're recording this around 5 p.m eastern time um the stream was basically just classic constructed i say classic constructed constructed <laughs> sorry that's ingrained uh, in me i have to say it uh constructed gameplay joy. yeah but they did it with like some big boy cards and i think that that is uh obviously going to better indicate what constructed gameplay is going to look like when you're throwing bombs down and we even got some new bombs which we'll get to but uh so you guys took a a, a little view of the stream a little bit there any uh any initial impressions i mean it's it's a i think deck construction for this game is is interesting to consider and obviously if you want to play it competitively you're gonna to have to think about it a lot um there's different dynamics that we'll get into you know with the conversation with that but uh i i think uh it's hard to really dive into the actual construction of set one decks until we see all of the cards. So, you know, we, we have some indicators about what directions things might go, but again, like we've only seen like what, maybe a little over half of the cards, like slightly, maybe around 50% of the cards. So, which means 50% of the cards we haven't seen, you know? So I'm, I'm not ready to jump in and be like, this is going to be an archetype. This is going to be a deck. This is going to be, you know, I need to wait and see everything. But as far as the fundamentals of deck building, uh, yeah, we can, and I have a feeling we will, have a conversation about that. And the other way, I think that there's very clearly some things that you can definitively say this will be a deck. And I say this with full confidence because I'm going to make that deck and it might not be good, but I'm just going to play it because there's already some really fun stuff that we've got in the half that we have had revealed. But what I really enjoyed about the, the live stream today more than anything, if I'm being honest, was that they took starter decks and then made slight modifications. And they said at mm -hmm. the beginning that the idea was like, hey, if you pick up the starter decks and then you open a few boosters. This could be the sort of thing that you like modify into. And the fact that they're already thinking about that, not just as a, as a design point, but in terms of like putting that kind of content out there again, just reinforces what I keep saying, which is you can tell this game is being developed by card game players, because that is very routinely one of the things that comes up as requested content in card game communities. It's the, Hey, I bought a starter deck where can I improve what are either what are some budget options or what can I do with this card pool that I have? And this, again, four months before the game launches is something that they're already giving us an example of. So to me, that's what I really appreciated. Agreed. Um, it was nice to see just gameplay, right? And I know there's a lot of people who are playing the game on various different digital platforms and putting up videos of gameplay, etc. It's just nice to see the game in in the physical form and see how it's interacted and see how the board actually develops and evolves. Because I mean, I've played, we've all played so many card games where the, the 
cleanliness of the board and how neat and organized and tidy sometimes you can get away like i've played magic decks where you know at the end of it it's like okay i got like 14 tokens on the board half of them have plus one plus one counters it's a giant mess um seeing how these games can kind of evolve how quickly cards are trading into each other how what their sort of lifespan is on a on an in a particular game how long it lives on the board it's intriguing to me and those are not finely tuned optimal decks it's just like you said charmer it's just sort of upgrades into from the starter deck into cooler new things but we did see in there things like home one and the new luke skywalker card that we'll talk about in a bit and yeah so any other headlines anything else that kind of like creeped up i don't think so right not really. Not that I can think of. Just more, you know, every day we get one day closer to the release of Star Wars Unlimited, and that's that's exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Want to talk about so, Christmas? Thanks. So one thing, I don't, I don't know that it, it would be a headline, but they did say at the very end of the live stream that they were going to be posting on their website like an event list. You know, they mentioned PAX Unplugged mm -hmm. coming up, and then they said that they're also going to be posting an event list where you could begin to play Star Wars Unlimited. So. I don't know if this is going to be the rest of the events they're hitting before launch or if it's going to be some sort of like road tour ahead of launch because I know other card games I'm thinking of like Battle Spirit Saga for example where they did a road tour at different game shops across the country where you could come and get like demo decks and things. I, I don't know what they mean when they say events but that is kind of like a mini headline so I would say just keep an eye out on the website because uh, any excuse to go play the game is going to be good in my mind so that that's kind of it for i think true headlines but the other thing and i think this is what doe was saying before i so rudely cut him off um is that we are hitting the holidays so i don't think we're going to get a ton of true headlines from here until like you know january but once january hits i feel like we're going to start getting a bunch of stuff again i have a feeling that beginning of february we are going to have a very cool episode to show people that oh. we will we will not say more of so there you oh. go oh wow an announcement of an announcement that's what we're good Exciting. at this is esports <laughs> damn it that's what we it do is now i guess yeah. yeah it is now are you kidding me this is esports you'd like to announce that we will announce something very damn exciting right. at a later date yep. okay uh, so headlines out of the way. Let's do the spoilers that have uh, trickled through over the past week. Again, thank you very much to SwooDB uh, for always having this stuff in great quality and at the ready. And uh, we absolutely 100% piggyback off your hard work and then take some credit for it. So thank you for that. But here's your shout out. Bingo. So, hey, we were talking about hiding in a hole, you know, and uh -huh. farming. You know, it's a peaceful life. Charmer, would you like to hit us with our first spoiler to, to break down? Yeah, uh, absolutely, because, you know, I've been very transparent. Sabine is my favorite Star Wars character, but a very close second. And I would say the only reason that she is a second is because of how limited uh, in terms of content we have for her is Jin Urso. I think her character is very um, entertaining and I just love and adore Rogue One. And so I was so excited when we got this leader card. It's Jin Urso. It is heroism and cunning. The leader portion of the card says uh, exhaust as an action, your leader card, attack with a unit. The defender gets minus one, minus zero for this attack. The cost for the epic action is six, and then she becomes a ground unit. 
has a 4-7 stat line. Uh, the 7 is very important for a couple of breakpoints. Rebel is the tag. And then while a friendly unit is attacking, the defender gets minus 1, minus 0. So actually a pretty big boost. It's any friendly unit gets the minus 1 when it's uh, attacking into a defender. I really, really like this card personally. This is right up uh, in terms of like my style of play because I like to fight for control of the board with my units. Back when I covered the Elder Scrolls Legends, I played a deck that was called Midrange Sorcerer, and that was basically it. You set up value trades, so you get incremental advantage until eventually you've got a wide board that you have kind of overrun your opponent with. This is a leader that sets that up beautifully and... I also just adore that it's a common because I am a limited player and this means that I will likely be drafting a lot of gin or so in the future. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's going to be a great limited card for sure. I mean, it's it's cunning, which we already know there's a lot of strong cunning stuff out there, so it's probably going to be fairly strong and limited. Um, and the main strength of this card is that it messes with breakpoints, right? where suddenly your card that would have attacked into an enemy and died, now you essentially double that card's power because you're going to theoretically get two attacks worth, right? You're either going to attack once and then have something else attack it, so you're going to get to do your damage twice, or you're just going to straight up get to attack twice with it, you know, over the course of a couple turns. So it's a card that, in the right circumstances, can end up being very strong. Um, and I, I was a little bit taken aback by six resources for the flip, but... Uh, as I sort of consider it, especially in its strength and limited, it it's, feels more appropriate. She's got seven health. You've got that uh, kind of going forward too. That's that's a hard amount of health to take down quickly. Um, so yeah, I think just a, a pretty solid card all around. I think it's going to be very strong and limited. Um, and who knows? I mean, like I think there's better cunning heroes out there, uh, cunning leaders out there, I should say, uh, in the first set that we've seen. But you might see people, you know, building around this deck, uh, you know, in Constructed possibly too. But yeah, certainly Limited, which Charmer has me thinking about all the time now, um, seems very, very strong. And just like an all-around generally pretty good card numbers-wise. So yeah, I like it. It's good. I think it's all right. It's just that it's not really... It, it speaks to what I think cunning and heroism want to do which is a lot of board control like value trading and kind of stuff it wants to put units on the board and it wants to out muscle and outperform the opponent's units and i think that this game text here of everything gets minus one just means that your stuff has a little bit more survivability when it wants to trade but again this means that your generous wants you to trade into other units it wants you to maintain presence on the board at a better rate than your opponent does and uh, being within the cunning aspect, you know that there's going to be a lot of tricks up everybody's sleeve. This just happens to be a trick that is out in the open. It's this ambient effect of everything that gets attacked will get minus one attack value. Um, but, like, I learned a new a new phrase when I was in Barcelona and hanging out with the kayfabe guys, who are a lot of them are magic players. They said, they said Flake, you, you, you strike me as a Jund player. And they all kind of giggled and laughed, and I was like, it, "That sounds like, that sounds like some like slander." And they said, "Well, we mean that's like you just want, you just want big things, and you want to just one like you want to one for one your opponent, and eventually outvalue them down the road uh, with bigger, badder things." It's like you just it's a it's you just want to wear away at them, and it's just a boring game style. I said, "Okay, 
I guess I'm a Jun player. <laughs> like, I guess that's kind of what I want to do. This kind of feels Jundy to me in the sense that, and Jund, by the way, are three different colors together. I forgot what they were. I think it's like, is it like, let me double check. It's green something. Like green, white, red, maybe? Mm. Uh, let's see. Jund, magic. Let's go. I'm uh, a I'm a dirty commander only thought, player for the moment. So, uh, but John had black, red, black, but, green. There we go. Yeah, red, black, okay. green. So yeah. there you go. So you have green to represent big fat creatures. You've got black for instant destruction and red for burn. So things are. It's basically you play something. I'm gonna play. A, I'm gonna one for one it and make sure it's not there. Eventually, you're gonna have run out of something or you're gonna stumble, and then I'm gonna put a big fat green baddie on the board or a red-green, like, gruel-style trampler and then beat you that way. That's kind of what Jund is. So I feel like Jin Urso is the Jund leader. Kind of. I mean, well, let's let's uh, let's pose this question then um, and say what aspect would you pair this leader with? I think that's... Now when we have new leaders coming in that are revealed, I feel like we know enough to maybe, like, make that statement. So so I'll, I'll go first. I, I would pair this with uh, aggression. The reason being is that if I'm playing Vigilance or something with this, if I'm generating shield tokens, I'm not really getting much value out of Jin Urso's ability anyway, because who cares if they're minus one or not if they're attacking into my shields? So, or if I'm attacking into them with a shield. So I would go aggression with this again, because that gives that, that little minus one might keep my aggressive, fragile creature uh, or unit rather alive one turn longer. So I feel like Playing this with aggression is going to get you more mileage out of your aggression stuff than you would have gotten otherwise. So for me, that's that's what I would go with. Um, who who wants to to go? I concur. I, full concur. Uh, so I, I want to yeah. I want to go then because I. It's so funny. I have the exact opposite opinion. Um, <laughs> I'm an aggro player, I, so that's where I go I, first. So I'm actually glad you mentioned the aspect thing because this is one of the things that I was trying to not go in depth, but since we have no emergency packs, I'm just going to run with it. Uh, when you're looking at this, really what you're comparing this against is the Han Solo leader, right? Because when you are choosing your leader, you're choosing the effect of the leader, but you're also choosing the aspects. And as we know, at least so far revealed, we have no heroism and we have no villainy bases. So that combined with the fact that we have these dual uh, aspect key iconic cards for vigilance, cunning, etc. I don't think we're going to get heroism or villainy bases in set one. And so if you are wanting to play double cunning, right, and heroism, your choices would be Jin or so or Han. And then from that standpoint, you have to decide, okay, what is it that I want to do with my deck? Do I want to be more combo oriented? Choose Han. Do I want to be more control oriented? Choose Jin. But if you're pairing it with another aspect, right, if you're not trying to maximize and go double cunning, I actually think vigilance is the way to pair it because of the shields. Now, mm -hmm. I can fully understand why somebody would say, hey, if I have a shield, why do I care if it's minus one anyway? But the answer to that is your opponent's most economical way to deal with your shields is usually by dealing one damage to a unit with shields. Now, there's two ways to do it. Direct damage, which you can't stop anyway or smaller attack units, right? They want to give up the small units to get rid of the shield and then trade in. What Jin allows you to do is be on offense with your shielded unit, just crash into the small unit with the minus one, 
eat it and keep the shield. Now your opponent has to sacrifice something better to get rid of the shield potentially. Not sold. Making a lot of assumptions about one damage source is going. Not through, sold. I think. Exactly. Uh, that's that is under the 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 assumption like like Char, uh, like Doe is alluding to here is that they're going to have a bunch of wieners on the board that you're gonna like weenies, here, weenie, weenies yeah sorry wieners too yeah. you might have some wieners uh but like the thing about it is that if you're wasting set. your action to attack the one one then you don't get another swing and they might have other ways to deal with your shield i feel like if you've got a shielded unit and it's got a, a fat attack on it you're not wasting the opportunity to to attack it's already your action right so swing into the big thing while you've got the while you've got the shield going i think that that is the way to go i like the aggression um, aspect here as well because like Doe is saying a lot of those ag aggro units are probably going to have lower health totals so if if you have an opportunity to value trade with a cheap high high damage output unit and it sticks now you're putting the onus on your opponent to waste an action to finish it off or leave it be and it gets another swing and I think that that's that's that is what I initially thought of all right so part so here's part two though all right Oh, this in the in right. the scenario that you are pro providing, right? There's a big unit and a small unit. Then, yeah, you absolutely you take care of the big unit because now the small unit still has no threat of removing your unit once the shield is gone. But it then allows you. So many cases, what happens when you have shielded units? Assuming that this is going to be designed similar to every other game, the trade-off for you getting the shield is that you have a smaller stat line overall, right? If a normal unit would be a 3-3, three, three, but you have shield, then you might be a 2-2 two, two or something, for example, right? So if that's the case, once you lose the shield, all the value of your unit is gone, and Jin then helps to offset you having an understated unit as well. Like, her ability carries over even after you've already lost the shield. If you're trying to generate slow incremental board advantage it's going to add up over the course of a game. So it it goes it goes in line with traditionally what you want to do. I'm I'm just saying if you're playing a cunning vigilance control deck uh with heroism and your choices are Jin or Han, I don't think it's going to be a 100% slam dunk always choose Han because one Han is requiring you to cycle through your deck faster so you won't be able to play uh, I'll say the fatigue game because we're a bunch of flesh and blood players here, but basically you won't be able to deck them. Mill will be off the table for you. And we know that's something that Vigilance sometimes wants to do. But also that means that you will want to have stuff that you're ramping into if you're playing the Han leader as well. You're going more tempo oriented or more combo oriented. I think I think Jin is better than she looks. That, that's what I will say. I think that it's very... I'm not saying she's the best leader by any stretch. I don't even think she's the best cunning leader. Right now, I think that's Thrawn. Thrawn. But I'm saying if you are paying... Uh, or Well, if you're, if you're paying tax for something and you're fine with it, you play Thrawn. But if you really want to play heroism and you want to play the more control-oriented with Restore and whatever, I think Jin will still warrant a consideration over the rare leader Han. There was this assumption that like we'd be attacking into uh into big units with uh with a, a gin deck where I'm like nah I'm I'm not attacking into anything unless it has a unless it has sentinel and I have to right if I'm playing an uh, aggro versus aggro matchup then I might be doing some board trading if I can and then I think gin will help me get yeah, that board advantage in that matchup well, specifically but if I'm playing against another bigger deck I'm just going face then then in that case I'm like well 
Jin, you know, isn't really helping me much at all here, but I'm aggro, so I don't care. You know? Well, and so that's where I would say to me, if you're going to be playing aggro anyway, you would just play Han because the resources yeah. are going to help you create additional tempo. Right. That's what I keep coming back to. If you're if you're pairing aggression and your goal is I want to be faster than my opponent, then the Han leader is going to be better because you're just going to be playing more stuff per turn. What like if that's... you don't have Han, but you want to be an aggressive player? Then I would go Jin Agro. The, it's not then Jin I would so, say, Jin Agro. Then I would say uh, you can still play Cunning, Aggression, Heroism, but you would choose Sabine, who is another common leader, so it would be very accessible and still have a better output. So, like, that's the other side of the coin, right, is, like, if you're talking about stuff you're pairing with, Sabine is aggression and heroism. So you could just take that and then play the cunning base and still have a, a better aggressive game plan. Jin is very specifically built for board control through units. Like that's all of her benefit. So if you're not trying to do that as like your deck's game plan, just don't play Jin. That just happens to be the play style I really enjoy in games sure. like this. I'll go back to my original original statement then too which is where i would play her in limited but that's probably about it yeah this all comes back to the fact that none of us are probably playing her anyways probably <laughs> so. not yeah not, not outside of limited like i said i could see playing her in limited and and i i would probably try it aggression because of my my chosen play style but yeah if i was building a deck she would not be my leader of choice but i don't think she's really intended to be so next up this is a card that you had a, a pretty significant reaction to, I believe, Doa. Oh yeah, <laughs> outmaneuver. This is a this is a, a bonkers strong card that I think will be seen, you know, for for many 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 time many many games over the years. Uh, it's it costs three. Uh, choose an arena, ground your space, exhaust each unit in that arena. So sure, you might be exhausting your own units, but it's such a great way to slow things down if you're getting overwhelmed in a certain unit where it's like. If if you're if you are outgunned in a certain lane, you're like, well, I don't care if I you know exhaust my own stuff because I'm not gonna be attacking into them because it's not gonna be efficient for me. I'm you know I'm just gonna slow things down, stop everything. I'm not really maybe I can't even attack past them. Maybe they have Sentinel and I can't deal with it. So I'm gonna use this card to delay until I can get something big out that you know takes care of the board late game. So. I think this is going to be a crucial, crucial card in uh, control decks. And just in in general, it's strong. But especially if you're trying to play the slower game, if you're trying to get to your big stuff late game, this is going to be a, a core part of your component, I think. This uh, this is a card, I think, that it's it like it's kind of a, your, your safety net if you are very devoted to one particular lane. Um, it's like, I, I'm not even going to worry about space. Or I'm not even going to worry about the ground. I've got a very effective strategy here but i'm eventually going to get outmaneuvered on the ground or in the space or vice versa so i need a way to just basically it's almost like a bait and switch to a degree where your opponent you might they might see that you're leaving a lane open so they'll just like heavy dump in there in order to to maintain presence and have a significant threat in a lane and then you just outmaneuver them in that lane is your first action you say okay uh I own the space and let's go. And that's kind of how it goes. Like their first order of business might be to drop another fat boy in on the ground or in space. And you just reply without maneuver. And then you've got free, free runway to do whatever the hell you want. At the same time, um, like I wouldn't, pro I would probably play 
if I was playing a balanced deck of space and ground, I would definitely carry one of these um, in in my main deck because you never know when you're just getting absolutely gooned on one particular lane. But if I'm very like heavy into one lane, if the the nuts and bolts of my deck are just about owning space or owning the ground, this is a three of in every way, shape, or form for sure. Uh, I like this is also a great limited card to pick up. Um, but this is a card that takes patience and timing because, and again, this goes back to just the sheer design of the game. Like, when do you play this for maximum effect? Because I feel like there's going to be a lot of times where you just have to pull the trigger on this. Uh, you know, if you're late on it, you might get blown out. If you're early on it, they can recover. It's dangerous, but it's an incredibly powerful event for sure. I think it's this, one of those things where it's like you you don't want to be playing it on your like three resource turn. No, probably, no, no. You know, you're going to be playing this like the mid game, you know, or where it's like, OK, I'm about to have like, you know, six, seven resources out or whatever. I just want to make sure I set up for a, a good next turn and I don't want to take a bunch of damage this turn, you know, and, and this might be useful even if it you know, exhaust one key unit, you really don't want to worry about that turn. You don't even need to be in, like, an overwhelming situation either. So it's it's got that versatility, too, I think, and, and it's going to be a very good mid-game card. Yeah, I was just about to say, the power of this card is directly proportional to the stage of the game, in my opinion. The later it goes, the better it is. And what I love about this card is it's also kind of directly tied to initiative. Because there are situations where if you have initiative, then this could literally be a lifesaver. You know, if your opponent's got three units that you have no way to interact with other than this and block in space, for example, then you just end your turn, take initiative, and then you can buy yourself time, right? Mm -hmm. Similarly, if you are playing a, a tall deck, if you're a Jund player and you've just played your giant green fatty, well, you take one action... And then you end your turn. And then if your opponent's like, oh, well, since they, you know, have ended their turn and they've taken initiative, I'm going to play three or four things in the other lane to try to race them. And then you're like, haha, gotcha. And you tap everything down and then you smack them in the face with your fatty. So this is this is very much a flake card, uh, but it's also, <laughs> I think, just very well designed because it it highlights everything good about the game initiative, the split lanes, the timing uh you know we, we talk about the the back and forth like it's just a beautiful card yeah does a lot I, I i'm gonna love to play it i'm gonna hate to play against it which is kind of cunning in a nutshell you know <laughs> yeah that's the that's essentially yeah. it and i am all about this like the first i think one of the questions uh in the mailbag is gonna address this so i won't get into it we'll move on here to the next one it is a unit it is a vigilance unit three drop ground unit single aspect vigilance a two four trooper it is shielded it is just a uh, a two four statted trooper shielded unit i think that this card is a pretty decent card i think that this card is actually in trooper decks going to be pretty important uh if vigilance is your jam as a three drop the stat line can definitely get some work but i think that vigilance also wants to upgrade their units um i think that if you're playing a trooper deck you're always going to basically be better than the sum of your parts and in this case, having a, a baked-in shield on a 2-4 unit means that you can trade with the small boys and then mess with the big boys as well. 
And yeah, this one is also revealed by Tower Number Nine. I think that this card in Trooper decks is giving. Uh, this is, first of all, to me, a great limited card, a very, very, very good limited card. But I also think that in constructed trooper-related decks, this has an opportunity to see play. Mm -hmm. Yep. If trooper tribal ever ends up being a thing, it seems like a, a good thing to put in there early on. Depending on what else we see, you know, maybe there's better game text and some of the stuff that'll, that'll pop up in the future. But just numbers-wise, it's good. You know, three for a two-four, it's shielded, right? I mean, three for a two-four wouldn't be that great on its own, but the fact that you get kind of like a, a free pass at whatever first instance of damage it might take, it's it's decent, you know? It's one of those cards that, like, we talk about this a lot, where it's like, is this a set one card? You know, meaning that, is this a card that's going to make its way into constructed decks until something better comes along in a future set? And, like, I, I feel like this is a decent candidate for that, right? Where it's like... You know, may it's on the edge where I I feel like maybe we're gonna see some things that it's gonna that are gonna push it into kind of a just limited you know usage, but it could also be good enough that it might be a good just early game unit to throw in there to just sort of like sustain some board presence for a bit. So yeah, I think it's just a decent little decent little card. The thing that jumps out to me the most is that it's single aspect. So as Doa was saying. In set one, I think this could make a couple of lists, even if it's just like as a one or a two of, because one of the things when you're building a deck, which of course is something we're talking about, is uh, you want to make sure you've got a decent enough curve and you want to survive the early game. And if we don't have enough, you know, quality defensive options in set one, then this might make the cut just because it's single aspect. So you can put it into a bunch of decks and then still play it uh, without having to worry about the rest of your deck construction. I, I do think it'll be power crept out eventually, but this this is like on the border for me. It's strong and limited for sure, but I I kind of need to see more of the set before I decide if I'm playing it in constructed. Yeah. Uh, I'll take the next one. I'll give you guys the, the cool ones after this. It's another release <laughs> or reveal by Tower Number 9. It's the Partisan Insurgent... It's a two-drop single-aspect uh, aggression, a 1-4 trooper rebel. We've got a rebel. And the text says, while you control another aggression unit, this unit gains raid 2, meaning that it gets plus 2, plus 0 while attacking. So when it attacks, it's a 3-4 for a two-drop, which is highly above raid. Uh, even as a two-drop 1-4, I think you're getting basically your money's worth in that regard. But it does have the condition of needing to spot another aggression unit. But the way that I see this is that if you're playing aggression uh, and you're attacking a lot and you want the benefit of a raid unit, you're probably having stuff to drop on uh, ahead of it anyways. I think that you're going to have a bunch of little little weenies on the board all the time. And this is just going to benefit from it. Um, again, greater than the sum of your parts is kind of what these synergistic, these tribal... Uh, aggression trooper-esque lists are all about but um anything scr scratching beyond the surface for this one i think the the obvious thing to think about is consistency right like how how consistent is it going to be that you'll be able to get another aggression unit out there and then you know put this into use because right first you need to pr play this then you need to have the aggression unit then you need the other aggression unit to be alive then you need to attack with this in a in a back and forth action game um, that seems like it might be a tough thing to have happen consistency, consistently rather. Um, but that said, 
I like any card in a card game that can sort of direct your opponent's attention. And if you play this card, depending on the board state, and, and early on in the game when you are going to be hopefully playing this card, I think it will have this impact where now whatever other aggression unit you put out the next turn, say, um, is going to get a lot of attention from your opponent because uh, they don't want you to be able to get raid two with your partisan insurgents. So you can use this card along with another aggression card to sort of direct the attention of your opponent to a certain degree. So I like that aspect of it, that you can kind of do some smart things probably with that. Um, but I do worry about the the consistency. You know, you know, how often are you actually going to be able to get the raid benefit? And if you're not, it's okay, but I'm sure there's better options to put in your deck. So maybe another limited thing, but but uh, I, I like the idea of the card anyway. So I kind of love the misdirection of this card because it's a rebel trooper, but I think that at least with what's been revealed so far, it pairs best with the Inquisitor leader. The four yeah. health means that if you turn one, you play the other aggression units, right? And then on your second turn, you play this, comes into play exhausted, but because of that four health, that would let this survive the whack, right? You can deal two damage to it, ready it, and then swing and get that raid plus two. Like that's, I think, where you would maybe get value. And uh, again, much like the previous card, the other thing that jumps out is it's just aggression, right? So set one, this very well could also be a, a solid filler card that you play if you have nothing better to do. A lot of times you might end up just resourcing this. The fact that you can resource any card also means that sometimes you're picking things for just consistency of curve and this might fit the bill in the first set. Next one. Who wants to fight over this beautician? There, there's no fight. I'm going to let Doa do it. Oh, okay. Sure. I'll, I'll do it. Yeah, I wasn't going to fight over it either, but if you want me to, I will. It's, uh, it's Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight. Yes, that's right. He's here in card form. Uh, he is uh, <laughs> not leader form. He is a unit now. He is a heroism vigilance unit that you pay seven resources for, but he's a 6-7 Force Jedi Rebel with Restore 3. It's a lot of health back on your base when you attack, and when played, give an enemy unit minus 3, minus 3 for the phase. If a friendly unit was defeated this phase, give that enemy unit minus 6, minus 6 for this phase instead. So I look at this, and I'm like, oh, that's actually some pretty nice single-target late-game removal for Vigilance Heroism, because if a, if a unit is reduced to 0, uh, defense, it is dead. So minus three, minus three, that can get rid of some stuff that's maybe already injured. If one of your units dies, which it's usually pretty easy, I would imagine, to, you know, create that circumstance, then you're going to be able to bring in Luke and minus six, minus six something, take out something a little bit more significant, including, you know, a lot of lightly damaged leaders would uh, would qualify for the, the attention of this card. And get a pretty big benefit from it. That's a pretty big tempo swing to play a 6-7 and theoretically remove something up to a 6-6 six, six on the other side. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a legendary, so you expect it to be very powerful. Um, I think it is very powerful. The Restore 3 is is great, um, and it's got a lot of tags to play with uh, with other cards, other deck construction. So, yeah, I, I like that they're going hard with the, uh, the Luke Skywalker Jedi Knight card. I mean, it's it fulfills the fantasy of playing Luke at his most powerful, so uh, I like it. Oh, I, I, I mean, I, I really like this card. The, this is a, it, it's just like the quintessential late game control card. It helps you stabilize the board with the minus minus, which eats right through shields as well. 
it hits any unit so as doa said can hit leaders it helps you stabilize your health total on your base with the restore but i also really like it because between this and yoda and obi-wan i appreciate the like interplay and the themes of when another unit dies or when this unit dies right so we've got yoda who is kind of being the mentor with his card we have uh, same thing with obi-wan obi-wan dies he grants experience to another unit and if it's a force unit you draw a card and then here it's like the other side of the spectrum where you are avenging something right like in my mind this is you know han got captured and i'm showing up and i'm avenging him so take the minus six minus six or something like that and i just i really appreciate it i do also think that doa is correct and specifically heroism and vigilance creating situations where one of your units has died will be pretty easy because i think you'll be relatively heavy sentinel likely in these aspects or if it's not sentinel it'll be other units your opponent wants to get rid of because they might have restore so again like the low cost yoda for example we want yoda to die because he's got cool triggers but also late game he'll set you up for luke which will be a big tempo swing like this is just a really powerful card we want yoda to die said <laughs> by one Derek oswald thank you he Derek. does anyway yeah well he does anyways i mean when 900 but years old you are look as good you will not listen i was just about to say yoda wanted to die so much that he just did it he was like i'm so tired of you talking oh, luke yeah. <laughs> that's right oh uh yeah yeah vader's your dad uh bye bye, bye. yeah Thanks, it's like go. do you remember that uh that episode of seinfeld where uh george like fakes his own death and <laughs> and then jerry gets a call from frank costanza and the call the voicemail is literally Hi, Jerry. It's it's Frank. George is dead. Mr. Steinberger's here. George is dead. Call me back. And just... It's just like... That's just kind of how it, how it struck me. But yeah, this card is reminiscent to me of the old school LSJK, the, the one from uh, Star Wars uh, CCG, because of just how yeah. potent it was. That dude was an absolute house. It was, like you mm -hmm. mentioned, at, in the cinematic universe at the point... It was Luke at his strongest, right? He had, you know, it's him confronting Vader amidst the influence of the Emperor. There's that he does not get more badass than he was in that particular point. I don't care how many milk nipples he's squeezing on Acto. That is him at his most badass. Okay. Is anyone? Did anyone else say he's he's at his most badass when he's drinking the the milk? Did in you the, see the, the look he trilogy? gives? Did you see the look he gives? He drinks. And he's like, yeah, yeah, like. <laughs> I was just going to say, I I feel yeah. like he's got like old sailor, just hard vibes. Like yeah. he's a dude. He I know he's been living in exile at that point, but he's a dude that if you met him on the street, you'd be like, that guy did time. You know, for sure. I mean? like, yeah. For sure. I want some gigantic ostrich Muppet <laughs> milk and I want it right from the teat. That is that is basically it. And if you want it, baby, you go right. get it because Luke made his home there. But this this card is unreal good, and obviously it's a legendary. You need it to be good. I think that just the fact that your opponent might suspect it's coming, and they're like, well, I don't want to kill the unit because I don't want to get 6-6, six but eventually Luke's going to be like, cool, don't do it. I'll just 3-3 three, three you, and now you can't kill anything because your biggest threat is smaller, and now I got a Luke on the table. Um, 
I'm really looking forward to seeing. We've seen a lot of legendaries that are events, obviously, like the the aspect related ones. But the units that we're getting feel impactful. They feel legendary, and that's what I really want from this game. I want there to be impactful plays uh, because you know, having played Magic so much in the past few months, there's you eventually get to a point where there's like kind of like the stalemate board state where I can't attack you, and it's like it doesn't make sense for either of us to attack into each other. So it's just drawing until you find the bomb or the the way to sort of clear a unit or you find your trick. Luke Skywalker is that trick. He is just like, hey, I'm going to have an impact when I hit the board. I'm going to have an impact when I swing. I'm going to just change the dynamic of the game. And I really, really love this. And um, I, I love, I, again, the Jund in me is just seeing this and saying, big, big guy go boom. And <laughs> I love it. Pretty great. All right. The Charmer. Next one. Oh, you want me to do the, the next one? All yes. Right. Do it. So do it. you can't have Luke without <laughs> a lightsaber. Now, granted, this is not Luke's lightsaber. This is Jedi lightsaber. But this card is still really, really good. And I feel like it was revealed once before. Um, it or was leaked. on Twitter. Yeah, Somebody it was, caught it was an, like, an angle of it, and it was like a French version, I think. Yeah, yeah, but uh, this is a three-cost heroism vigilance upgrade card you attach to a non-vehicle unit. So sorry, TIE Fighters, you can't equip lightsabers. Uh, if attached oh. unit is a force unit, it gains on attack, give the defender minus two, minus two for this phase. And then on top of that, it gives plus three, plus three, and it has the tags, item, weapon, and lightsaber. So three for a plus three plus three with a very relevant on attack if the unit is forced feels very very good uh, in the early game putting this on yoda actually feels very strong to me because of his restore so on attack you're restoring health getting rid of a unit and threatening a ton of damage uh, it's going to be a, a great one two combo but even uh, again on like kanan or something else very very strong i was going to bring up the yoda thing but yeah, I don't have a lot more to add. I mean, it's just a, it's just a good, uh, good card. It's three for plus three for three, three, you know, hit the stat line um, and you get this extra bonus on force units. So yeah, it's just good. I wonder if there's going to be a force oriented, like vigilant space deck. And in which case you just jam three Jedi lightsabers in there and go to town. Um, the, the exchange rate on this, it's like you jam this on a force user and it's like a plus five plus five. Right, like on on paper, a dual aspect three drop that gives plus three plus three is kind of meh. I don't know if I'd, I'd rather have a unit on the board for three for three drop at that uh, at that rate. But again, like if your stuff, like I'm curious to see how many force wielders there are going to be to pair this up with. We shall see. I mean, at some point, I would hope we've got you know all the Jedi, so you could just play a deck filled with a, a bunch of Jedi's or or forces. That would be fun. <laughs> Except for those useless ones that went to go arrest Palpatine. Again, I will never get over how early game fodder. Ooh, yeah. Sure, that's fine. No problem. Give me a two-drop Jedi that is as useless as those. Sorry, two... Kit Fisto. Uh, well, Kit, at least Kit Fisto had a like a. He swung his lightsaber and parried once or twice. The other two were literally Did just uh, like they were just there 
to be a sleeve for for uh, Palpatine's lightsaber. That's all. That's all it was. All right. Last one. All right. We're going to the instant replay. Are you looking at it? Where? Uh, we'll Kit see how Kit Fisto does. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. So it's treason then. <laughs> all right. Hold up. Hold up. Wait. Yeah. All right. He swings in. He uh, immediately stabs the one dude with like darker. Then he kills the other guy with the horns. He does. Oh, okay. All right. Kit yeah. Fisto. Oh, Kit Fisto is pretty good. He Kit Fisto gets three parries off. He parries the Emperor three times and actually fights pretty well with Mace Window before Window. Yeah. Mace <laughs> Window. That's what he went out of. Yeah. Mace Window. Uh, before he uh, before he gets cut down. So hey, you know, I I retract my earlier statement. Kit Fisto uh, makes a good representation of him himself uh, against the uh, the Emperor. So. Yeah, but those rest other two peace. Rest in peace, Mister Fisto. The other two pretenders were literally just there because they you were like, die. yeah, well, they're probably Mace Windows like, hey, uh, you want to come with me? He's like, I like this. And the guy's like, oh, it, yeah, and the other guy's like, they had no they had no clue. Easy. They were probably there like they had just come from Galaxy's Edge and just like bought a fake lightsaber and like a robe. <laughs> and they're like, dude, Mace Windows just asked us to come with him for an important mission. Let's go immediately skewered like Where's the Disneyland ride ever, really? <laughs> Almost as bad as that hotel that they put in. <laughs> uh, nice. nah, like, at the end of the day, okay, they did their best. And we got to give them credit because they showed up. And that's half the battle. The other half is parrying a lightsaber, which they did yeah, not. Yeah. The, the other, other half, half is, is knowing. <laughs> well, yeah, well, well, they did not know. They, know. they definitely well, they didn't did know. know. They knew that he was the, the Dark Lord of the Sith. They just oh, they knew really... then. They probably brought yeah. those two bozos because they're like, well, he, the Anakin's probably wrong. Yeah, I, I know what happened. Like, I, I admit, I probably would have been one of the ones that got cut down immediately because nobody, like, everyone might expect the, the you know, the Emperor Belt to be like, oh, you caught me. Oh, now I will destroy you. But nobody expected the Emperor Palpatine barrel roll. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. It. Like when he when he's just like, and he just like does a barrel roll right into them. Like nobody expects that move right out of the gate. So so I yeah. understand. I, I I would have died even sooner because I'll be honest, if you think that there's just like not Sith around and then somebody shows up and they're like, hey, we're going to go arrest like you know this this dude because he is the dark lord of the sith and we're like we don't even know if that <laughs> yeah. exists anymore we're like okay i guess i'll come along like i'll watch this train wreck uh and then you end up being the train wreck unfortunately but that would be me 100 percent. it's like we all have every government has like an alien response plan but when it happens i don't think they're, they're like yeah yeah standard drills okay gotcha yep taking notes for sure i'm gonna commit this to memory and then they're like oh my god it's happening <laughs> Like, I don't know what to do. Well, I do not know. alien does a leaping barrel roll over the desk at you? Yeah. What are well, you going to do? You're not, I'm not going to do anything. Like, wow, I'm yeah. impressed. I thought this was kind of like an older guy, but he's very spry for his age. He absolutely corkscrew messed up those two, right? And it was a full-on slippy get back here moment because... He took Starbucks seriously. Yeah, yeah. he definitely did. Uh, <laughs> the last dude is the battlefield marine it is a heroism command unit a two drop uh ground unit rebel trooper three three vanilla and uh that's basically it it's a two drop three three dual aspect rebel trooper mm -hmm. now this might look garbo but a if you're within these aspects dropping a three three on turn uh, uh, for for two is above rate that is pretty strong i don't think you need 
text on this. I think it's just a matter of, hey, here's some stats and deal with it. Yeah, he's he's definitely far from garbage. He is quite good. I mean, again, we talked about the, the someday trooper deck. Well, here's one of your great early game troopers. A 3-3 for 2 is going to be annoying to deal with no matter what the opponent has in their deck. So, yeah, I think it's just... And every card game needs these cards, right? You just need the vanilla one for two, two or two for three, three, you know, that kind of thing to pop up every once in a while. Um, Cause it's always going to be good in uh, aggressive decks. And honestly, it's, it's probably not bad just for delaying in, in, uh, you know, slower decks too. So I, I love seeing these archetypes kind of pop up. This kind of card is in every card game. Um, and I think it's it's necessary, you know? You always want to have the just the big beat stick, right? Without any text at all, just give me some numbers, make it cheap, and it'll be good. So we've all, <coughs> excuse me, wow. Uh, we've only seen about half the set so far, but just kind of peering through all of the other two and one drops, right? Because ideally that's what you're kind of comparing it to. What am I likely going to see across the table for me on turn one when you've got your two resources? Uh, this either directly trades with or uh, trades with and survives like 80% of them, right? It's going to directly trade with cards like Viper Probe Droid. Uh, there's a very few that have three attack, but most of these are like uh, Rebel Pathfinder, it's a 2-3, but it has Saboteur, or the Snowtrooper Lieutenants, or uh, Leia, the Partisan Insurgents. It doesn't trade with directly, but it's still going to attack into that and survive, get it pretty low. Uh, Stat-wise, this is just a very versatile unit, so it makes sense to me that it's got no direct text on it, but also the fact that it's a Rebel and a Trooper could be very relevant later on. All right. My one thing with this real quick is like, make up your mind. Which barrel of the gun are you using? <laughs> is this because there's like two different barrels with two different sizes, but they're kind of making a similar blast. You know, I, I feel like there's something with that gun that needs to be changed to make it look a little bit more efficient. Does it need to shoot two shots? Can't it just shoot one more accurately? I don't know. So this character is an Aqualish. I believe is the species of this character an aqualish. You you are correct. Um, right. What I first noticed was this mofo has a harpoon on his back. He's got a freaking harpoon because when he's done laying yeah. waste, he's gonna go with his buddy. You know who? Oh. The Sullustin, yeah. the Sullustin uh, slaughterhouse <laughs> that we know, and he's gonna go and they're gonna go spearfishing together. That's what they're going to do. I mean, you got to do that. I think I that. Think, uh, yeah. Go ahead. He can breathe underwater, you know. Hold up. I spoke too soon. I'm pretty sure it's a weak way. Is that a weak not way? A, not an Aqualish. Because, like, Panda Baba was the Aqualish. Oh, and, he I, oh, and he's got, weak like, way. those. He's got, like, the, the, the baboon-ass no, cheeks on his face. It's not a weak way. No, a weak way is the, is the skiff guard, like, the one who what pokes. that dude? I think it's a, it's not an Aqualish. It's it's one of those dudes that are like Mon Calamari-ish. Damn, like these are very prevalent species. I feel I know. I, I could have sworn. Hold on. Just look at aquatic species Star Wars. I I'm looking at it. Yeah, that's um, uh, um hmm. We can't we can't go any farther in the podcast until we figure this out. This is very embarrassing. Well, it's not a Gungan. We know that. It is Corrin. 
Quarren. That's what it is. Quarren. Thank you. Okay. It is Quarren. Yes, it is absolutely. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, the problem is, is if you yeah. Google things like aquatic species or fish species, everything comes up the Mon Calamari first, yeah. like rightfully so, because that's what everyone's trying to remember. So I went with the tried and true uh, squid head. And that got me the answer. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That. Why don't we just drop some really bad slurs like that? That is that is a really racist term to them. You know that? How dare you? I mean, I mean, well, you know, it. if he wants my respect, <laughs> he can fire with one barrel. That is true. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Come back to reality, there, Squidhead. Um, oh, actually, no. Flake is right. Uh, in the in the the wiki, it, it does say also known by the derogatory name Squidhead. So it is it is uh, derogatory. Oh, so. Well. Somebody attended uh, Whopper I, Radio sensitivity training, and somebody <laughs> didn't. I expect uh, your official apology uh, statement to be released at a later date, Charmer. <laughs> yeah, Charmer, you don't want to be the Kanye West of Star Wars. Oh, no. You know what? I mean, I'm I'm just going to double down because I'm protected by an ardent sympathizer. So if Battlefield <laughs> no, Marine... No, they're friends, man. They're friends. If Battlefield yeah. Marine wants to find me, he can go through my colleague, ardent you know sympathizer. Did you know they can spit ink out of their mouths? I mean, that's kind of asking to be called Squidhead. If your head looks like a squid and you actually spit ink. Yeah, I guess. I mean, like, I, I, yeah, I don't want to get into it. Hey, how about you out there? Is Squidhead a derogatory <laughs> term? Leave it in the comments. This um, is why we need do, emergency how text. Do people, how do people in Star Wars even know what squids are? Do squids even exist? Birds in Star exist. Wars? This is so. I actually had See, this this kind of come to Jesus moment about this kind of thing when watching Pokemon because I was watching an episode of Pokemon. Oh. They were underwater, like in a submarine, and they look yeah. out the window, and one of them says, "Wow, look at all the fish." I was like, "There's fish there." I thought everything was Pokemon. Like I thought it was just human oh, beings. There's fish type kind of no Magic Arp is a fish type i guess but it wasn't like they weren't pokemon they were just dumbass fish like the furniture of the sea that's all well, they were there does seem to be something in the pokemon world where there are animals and then there are pokemon that are kind of between animals and more you know higher beings like human beings right but that's yet very pokemon elitist of you very sentient well, yeah, but I mean, like, I'm just I'm just playing by their rules. Like, and they they have established that humans are above Pokemon. Yeah. No, yeah. I I want to live in Flake's universe. Right. I want to live in Flake's universe where any random tuna can become a Gyarados. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> man. Like, imagine that. Like, <laughs> you 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 reel up a tuna, it accidentally smacks you in the side of the head while it's flopping around. That gives it enough XP to like turn into Gyarados. Like, that's that's pretty sweet. But at the same time, I just want to see you reel up a tuna. Do you know how big that? No, they're huge. Is? Yeah, I know. But like, you can ripped. Yeah, you can wheel in a tuna, and like, you are paid for the year. Like that, some of those tunas, like those bluefin tunas, are like some of them go for unreal amounts of money. But again, I'm shenanigans on the squid head thing, though. That doesn't even sound like something from Star Wars. I mean, it doesn't even sound like something that should be in the Star Wars. Yeah, it's, you're right. It shouldn't squids, be in the. It shouldn't be in the vernacular, Doa, because it's a racist yeah. term. So no, because squids just aren't in Star Wars. It doesn't make any sense. Well, they uh, there was another one that they um, hammerheads, like. Uh, but I guess a hammer is a thing. Yeah, their heads still kind of look like hammers. Yeah, I suppose. Whereas right. you can't reference a squid because that's the actual name of an earth animal. Uh, so. On the actual StarWars.com, it says Corin or Squidheads, as they are sometimes See? rudely called. Rudely. That's so this really sense. is. There are no squids really in Star Wars. A, you don't oh, know that. Man. You don't I really know just that. stopped in a slurge, all because I was trying to Google. 
the uh, the species for you. Yeah, you and, got you me used, in trouble, and you um, used and a derogatory term <laughs> to look it up. You're the worst charmer. Absolutely well, the worst. To all our corn viewers out there, um, I'm sorry. Charmer is very sorry. I formally apologize to the entire corn species. Okay, I did this not is the biggest, know. This is the biggest uh, scandal we've ever had on the podcast. They have <laughs> suction cup tipped fingers. Count yourself lucky if this is the biggest thing. All right, so here's the deal: is because so we're, we're we're coming up against it clockwise. Um, we have mm -hmm. two options. Option one is we plow through some of these questions that have been piling up for the mailbag we can do next episode we can talk about deck construction and really try to keep it on the rails because we literally spent 10 minutes talking about if if calling uh, a quarin a squid face would get you squid shanked heads, in prison head. yeah well if it would get you shanked get in prison right. so oh uh, um should we just should we just clear out the mailbag uh, I mean, we could do a couple of them at least. Yeah, let's do let's do a few here. So yeah. I'm gonna very kindly propose this to you as we do the transition, my friend Charmer, which is basically, hey, you just arrive in prison, and everyone you called a squid head is now in your cell block. I have a bad feeling about this. I've got a bad feeling about. Okay. Quiet. Oh. I have a very bad feeling about this. I got a bad feeling about this. I don't know. I have a bad feeling about this. Perfect. Fitting. Great. Let's get to the mailbag, my friends. Again, the bad feeling mailbag is brought to you by you. You guys send us questions. We got a bunch, and we're going to get through as many as we can here. Uh, we got about 10 minutes. So, Doa, mm. pick and choose. Fire away. I get to I get to pick. Oh yeah. Um. Uh. uh let, let me see. Um. Uh. We'll just go. We'll we'll just go with the. I want to go with the second one. Yeah. In, go for uh, it. This might take up the rest of our time though. In a <laughs> in a recent interview, Dave Filoni talked about. Oh, from uh, Board Play J. Um. In a recent interview, Dave Filoni talked about using material from the Star Wars Legends storyline. Would you like to see characters from the Knights of the Old Republic comic book series in the game? Which ones? With Dave Filoni now in charge of Star Wars, what do you hope for? Um, I'm first of all, I, I'm excited about him him being in charge uh, with Star Wars. Like uh, when he is the showrunner, I I do feel like we get a little bit too many filler episodes here and there. Um, but there's no doubt that I think his vision for Star Wars overall is is the one that cl most closely aligns with. Uh, you know, what, what me and a lot of other fans, you know, would like to see the universe be, right? So I think it's very exciting that he's in charge of that, first of all. Um, but to answer the question, um, I mean, as far as card game purposes go, uh, I'd like to see all of it eventually, right? Um, there's, because this this game clearly isn't super concerned about timelines. You know, it's, it's not concerned about having, like, uh, you know, just because uh, it, it seems like because we got a chance for Mace Window, Mace, Mace Window again. Why do I keep saying that? Mace Window, <laughs> Mace Window, a defenestration on the mind. Mace <sighs> Window with Jedi Luke at the same time. Like, so clearly timelines aren't super important to this game. So why not do something with like Knights of the Old Republic down the line? You know, I'd, I'd love to see it. You know, I mean, there's a lot of great stuff there. HK thirty seven, Darth Revan, like there's a lot of there's a lot of awesome stuff you could bring into the game um, with that. So yeah, nice I'd, I'd love to see it. The more the merrier, I say. Yeah. What a pain that window is. Oh. Calling him Mace Window is basically huh. calling him a squid head. I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> 
Um, it's just his most memorable moment is flying out that window. I'll, I'll basically say this regarding Star Wars Legends in general because um, I want to see it all, but I want to see it at the right time. I don't want to see a character show up for the sake of shock value, kind of like Cad Bane did. Like Cad Bane could have not been in Book of Boba Fett, and I don't think it would have changed the the story that much. But it was a great introduction to the character. If he had a a lot, if he was pulling a lot more strings and had a, a more integral part to the plot, that is fine. I just what I don't like is that kind of fan service for the sake of fan service. Uh, like to a certain degree, it's it's okay. Like in I think it was the Mandalorian where we saw, um, remember we saw like a brief glimpse of Zeb. Zeb was in like the ready oh. room of one. Of, like that's cool, sure, sure. because that's a, a short little piece where they're not trying to put a lot more onus on him driving any narratives. It's just hey, he's there. He, we, we're aware of him. Here's a little treat for you. That's where I want to see legends show up, not for a throwaway cameo to kind of spike ratings or something to that degree. Well, Cad Bane was like one of the major villains in like an arc in Clone Wars, if I remember yes, right, too. So, yes, absolutely. It was kind of it was kind of unfortunate to see him, and they did such a great job with the uh, the uh, costuming for that oh, character yeah. in the show too. He looked great. God, was, was he like, so wow, good? He translated to live action so good, and then they killed him. He and was, was like, allegedly. Oh, come on! Like we could have allegedly a lot more. Anytime the allegedly. camera lingers on the body and sort of like zooms in slow on them, they're not dead, dude. They're not dead. They're not dead. Yes, yeah. they are. My fast answer to this is in terms of content, I would love to see more Legends stuff revisited in the, the greater Star Wars universe, but I would love to see stuff from the Old Republic time period. Like, I, I want them to kind of get away from what we kind of consider the core era of Star Wars because we have enough ongoing content there and then just give us some some new or revisit some of the old but give us something new and kind of refreshing that we can just get excited from from scratch so that we don't have to I guess be as judgmental and there's a, a lot of good eras to choose from and like I'll be honest like I loved a lot of the stories when I played through uh, Knights of the Old Republic. I loved a lot of the stories when the I played MMO. through Star Wars, The Old Republic. I loved that MMO. So give me some of that. And then once that's, you know, out in the wild, if you will, then absolutely jam it in the game. You want to choose yeah, one? Actually, the oh, MMO, sorry. I'm glad you brought that up. Like, that's there is so much awesome stuff in that. If you haven't played it, go back and just play through the game as if you're playing it through a single-player RPG. You, you can, and it's worth it because it's just a very good, you know, bioware right they made it BioWare yeah it was, it was a yeah. bioware mmo and it feels like i great, yeah it feels like a great single player mmo set in the star wars universe that had some multiplayer stuff tacked onto it later that's really what that game feels like um but it is absolutely worth playing uh for the story because it's it's fantastic i love to see some final empire stuff come into the card game eventually like that was cool i don't know if you played far enough to get that expansion but it was neat yeah well i was about to say I'm probably going to catch heat from this from anybody who did play the MMO, but I unabashedly loved Hutball. And so give me Hutball <laughs> somehow in the card game. <laughs> I mean, the the PvP in that game was, you know, a little bit suspect. There is, I mean, listen, but, there's uh, a lot of very valid criticisms, but I'm one of the weirdos that actually loved Hutball. 
I play, well, see, I played a Marauder, so I played a lot of hotball because I could just go in there and brawl and stuff. Like, I felt like I could do yeah. okay, but I, 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 I was a juggernaut. So, being able to like grab the ball and then leap to a friend and then leap to an enemy and then charge across the line, like, nothing made me feel more unstoppable. <laughs> it was fun. It was kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take has a, no idea what we're talking not about. Not a clue. Not a clue. You guys say hotball. I'm like, cool. Amazing. I, number one in the world hotball fan right here it's like cricket it's like cool i know it's popular it's like <laughs> blitz ball no it's not like that. uh griff ball from halo maybe i don't know uh so i'm gonna go with uh d house at wild wormhole it's a three pack so we can cruise through these oh. of the current revealed leaders which one are you reaching for first when starting deck building it's thrawn it's a hundred percent thrawn thrawn is my guy um i love the character i love the mechanic and I love what it could potentially do to my opponent, which is give them a freaking ulcer. That's what it's about. I need to go back and look at the uh, all the leaders. Let's see, so go ahead, Charmer. Uh, this this is this is very difficult. I yeah, is. my my instinct is as weird as it sounds and not just because she was revealed but it's honestly probably Jin, just because i before she was even revealed felt like i wanted to play heroism cunning vigilance as a deck and of the existing heroism vigilance leaders i wasn't like a big fan of them and i don't think han lets you play the lake late game mill strategy he seems more tempo oriented so it's kind of Jin by default it just so happens that i also like the character and I think that the the card is better than it looks on the surface, but really it's about the aspect combination. Beauty. All right, uh, I'm gonna pick uh, I'm gonna pick Hera uh, because like and like we haven't obviously seen you know everything Spectre related revealed yet at this point. We're still missing Zeb, right? So there's got to be more to this. But I just like the idea of building a deck. Uh, around all the Spectre characters, uh, being able to use a bunch of different aspects, right? Because she lets you ignore the aspect penalty on Spectre cards. So that's that's exciting. So I, I just like the idea of that that deck, building that deck. Um, otherwise, I, I kind of like uh, Leia Organa, actually, too. Just be able to uh, do multiple attacks in one action. I think that unlocks a lot of unique sort of like lines of play. So those are the two that are just tertiary looking through these. Those are the two that I'm kind of... So most excited about at the moment speaking of specter we haven't seen chopper yet either right no i don't believe so no i would remember if we got the war criminal i feel like yeah you know where he's at he's yeah. on the line with uh with our lothal insurgent mm -hmm. or whatever that dude's name is um oh the ardent ardent, supporter. ardent, ardent supporter. sympathizer yeah oh boy sympathizer, yeah. oh boy yeah. All right, last last bit of the question because it's actually a three-parter, but we're gonna skip to part three because we're we're out of time here. Um, in ten seconds or less, boys, how many tauntauns would it take to bring down a single wampa? Three. Mm, I'm gonna guess five. I was going well, closer. A few more. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm closer with with Doa on this one. I think three. It's like the first one gets immediately slaughtered, and then I don't think a two on one is is worth it. You got to go with like I'm thinking like six. You gotta have, you gotta have like one per limb, and then two biting the face. Oh, see, I assumed it was Wampa's eating one, and the other two start like headbutting from the sides, right? Using the horns, mm -hmm. and then you just knock them out. 
you need sort of a sequence of headbutts though you know well, sure to really make it to really make i it mean work. the question is are tauntauns as smart as velociraptors or as dumb as tauntauns right the dumb so... as tauntauns dude okay well then it's yeah, yeah. gonna take 11 because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like three you got lost like on the way tauntauns? Yeah. <laughs> yeah one died of starvation because yeah. it doesn't know how to eat it forgot it's just mm. yeah all right there we go. Uh, we did get some more questions in from uh, Virgin Games as well as Andy Salkeld. So we're sorry that we couldn't get to those. Uh, we couldn't get to a lot, but we're up against it. So we want to thank everybody again for tuning in to Wampa Radio and uh, putting up with us. There's going to be a lot more cool stuff around the bend. Uh, like I said, first weekend-ish, first week of February-ish, uh, we should have something really special for you guys. And beyond that, that's about it. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at WatchFlake. Follow the channel, obviously, at Watch uh, at Whopper Radio on Twitter. We've got at GGDOA if you want to get in touch. That's me. At that charm 3 r And, uh, yeah, if you have a question for the mailbag, hit us up. You can email us at WhopperRadioPodcast at gmail.com. We love it. We love it. We love it. And sometimes we, uh, if you email us and you sound like a cool dude, I send you a pack of cards, just like that. Just just like that. So, take a gamble. Who knows? Charmer. Hit us, baby. I'm sorry to the Quarren people, and may the Force be with you. Oh, 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 o